It is kind of our first, well not kind of, it is our first Sunday of 2019 where we're really kind of purposefully setting, where are we going? What are we up to? What are we doing this year? Anyone got any suggestions? No, nothing? Yeah, no, you go. I've got, I got quite a few suggestions actually and um, I want to unpack, you, uh, unpack that with you just for a little bit. If you have a Bible there, whip it open to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 because I'm going to pick up there in just a moment. So over 2018, the prophetic theme we felt that God had given us was one of taking ground. And as 2018 unfolded, it became increasingly clear that the ground that God was intending on taking was actually in us first before he took ground through us. Now, that's not a, like a mutually ex- exclusive process. Like, it's not like, okay, once he's completely finished taking ground in you, then he can take ground through you. Like, it happens at the same time. As he's taking ground in you, he takes ground through you. The kingdom is not as linear as we are. So, yet, at the same time, and this is the, the paradox, I guess is the word, There is a principle in the kingdom of if you want a certain piece of ground to be taken through you, that ground has to be taken in you first so that you have authority to actually take that ground. And we gain authority with our personal victories. And our personal victories become corporate victories when we get healed and then we declare and live and and minister out of the stuff that God has done in us. And so as we looked at 2019, it's like, what's the word for the year? The word for last year was taking ground. We feel like the word for this year is taking ground. (laughs) In other words, we're always looking for a new word, but we haven't finished with the old one yet. The old one hasn't actually finished. The old one has not in any way been fulfilled. And so it's not actually old, it's current. Taking more ground. ground. (laughs) Still taking ground. Keeping, yeah, you you get the idea that... The prophetic theme we're still feeling for 2019 is to keep going and keep pressing in for what we were pressing in for all of last year. I can't remember which church it was. Um, But I remember hearing someone, and it'll come to me sometime later when you're all gone, and I'll go, oh, that's who it was. And it will be completely useless information then. It will be really useful now. But um, who said, they actually said in their church, they said, we want no new strategic prophetic words. We have got so much that God has already spoken to us that we're actually not dealing with and we're not stewarding. So how about we deal with what God's already said? Now, that's, like, that's not saying they shut down the prophetic or all that because, you know, we don't do that. Um, but there is a responsibility on us to not always be after the next shiny thing and the next shiny prophetic word. Maturity comes when we take a word and we take it deep. That's what we want to do as a family. We want to take this word that God's given us and we want to take it deep. So I think we've taken a lot of ground in 2018, by the way. I think us as a family, I think we are way more connected than we were 12 months ago. I think we're worshipping a lot deeper and a lot more free and there's there's a greater sense of his manifest presence among us when we meet than we had 12 months ago. As I look back over the last year, I actually get pretty happy. Like, good stuff has taken place. I think we are growing in learning how to do kingdom family well. And I I really do think we've taken ground, and that makes me happy. We're going to keep going because, okay, we might have taken this much ground, but there's like this much still to take. And as long as we have a heartbeat and are still breathing, there will be ground to take. So, 
We've taken ground, but we can't just stop and rest where we are. The kingdom is always advancing. And so that means we need to keep advancing. We need to keep taking ground. The passage in 2 Corinthians 10 that I want us to look at has plenty to say about this. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through to 6. This is Paul talking. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Now, what Paul was addressing here, there's like this break between 2 Corinthians 9 and 10 up to 1 to 9 is this really thankful letter after the first letter to the Corinthians, which was a bit of a, you guys are really losing it, slap kind of letter. First, the second Corinthians is like, okay, things are a whole lot better now. This is great. This is great. And then at chapter 10, it's almost like he continues where he left off in the last letter and changes the motif because in Corinth, Paul was the, the apostolic father of that environment. And these so-called super apostles had come in and had pretty much sidelined everything that Paul had done and had set themselves up as these super cool, you know, as they called themselves super apostles and were taking plenty of money from the church um, in the process. And Paul was addressing that. And as he addresses that, and I don't want to talk about any of that, just for the record, but in talking about that, he lays this kingdom foundation around this metaphor around war. And there. In other words, he takes this, this principle of warfare that is this broad principle in the kingdom and then in the preceding chapter, the pre, proceeding, after, the ones after, pro, proceeding, thank you. In the proceeding chapters, he then applies those principles as he talks about a specific issue. So what I want to do is I want to take that broad principle but apply it to our specific issue and season in terms of where we're at because this has plenty to say about taking ground. So this war motif, this war motif is basically saying there is a war in spirit. It's not a fleshly war. It's not humans punching each other up or taking out guns or swords. It's not that kind of a war. It's a spiritual battle against the enemy. And there's fortified enemy castles in your territory. Remember, we've been taking, talking a lot about taking ground in us so we can take ground through us. And so this introduces us to the idea that in our own territory, there's these fortified castles. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But this war motif gets introduced in the context. That whole four verses that I just read in Greek is actually one long sentence. So it's kind of like, and it's a long sentence. It's kind of like Paul just went, Bleh, and just use commas, no full stops. They didn't use punctuation like we did anyway. But it is one long sentence, one long thought, and it is so pregnant with stuff. But we need to note that it's like a warfare military context that he's talking in, or we're going to misunderstand some of the terms that Paul uses, and we're going to think he's saying things that he aren't, and it gets religious and crunchy, especially when we talk about punishing acts of disobedience. If you don't understand what he's saying there, that sounds really crunchy and religious. Um, I'll come to that one very shortly. So he goes straight to the fact that in this war, there are strongholds in the, in the territory. In other words, there are places in our territory. So if we imagine this was our territory where this mat is, 
And in the midst of this territory, there are fortified castles that the enemy has built in our territory that are protected by big walls that he then uses to launch attacks into try and take more of our territory. That, that's the kind of concept that he's um, putting out there. So let me talk about these castles for a moment, these fortified castles, which, which Paul calls strongholds, depending, depending on which version you have. Some of them say strongholds, some of them say um, fortresses. Um, the word really means kind of rebellious castles. So in verses four and five, he talks about strongholds. He says, the weapons we fight with are not carnal. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, what are the strongholds? He goes on in verse five. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So arguments. Dive into the Greek. That word arguments is the the Greek word logismos. And it means what you would think that would mean, logismos, logical thinking. It's patterns of reasoning. Okay, thought structures, structures of thought, structures of reason. That's what the arguments are. Pretensions. Now, this is a figurative expression. Um, Some of your versions may say lofty things. That's every lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Um, The word pretensions, it's kind of a figurative expression that kind of means elevated. It's it's higher up. It's it's lifted up. Um, And then the next word talks about it being raised up in opposition to. So a stronghold is a pattern of logical thinking that has elevated itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, when we say the knowledge of God, we immediately go to our head and think knowledge, knowing about him. That's not what he's talking about. Greek word gnosis. Um, It's more akin to um, intimate, if you know what I'm saying, knowledge than it is um, head knowledge. So it's set up against the experiential knowledge of God. In other words, what we're talking about here, a stronghold is a pattern of logical thinking that lifts itself up above kingdom truth that locks out like a fortified castle wall your experience of God in that particular area. You want me to say that again, don't you? Yeah, good. Because I'm going to say it again anyway, even if you said, no, no, I got it. I'm going to say it again anyway. But you said you wanted it, so here it goes. A stronghold is a pattern of logical thinking that's lifting or exalting itself above kingdom truth that locks out, like a fortified castle wall, your experience of God in that particular area. Anyone want one of those? Past? Yeah. Yeah. So, so my, we've all kind of got them. <laughs> we don't want them and we want to nuke them. We want to napalm these things. We're going to talk about how we do that in just a moment. But we need to understand um, how these things are held together and what keeps them in place and how they got there. So a stronghold, it's a mindset, it's a pattern of thinking that's not in agreement with kingdom truth in that area. And in particular, it's fortified with three things. It's, it's fortified with hopelessness, it's fortified with powerlessness, and it's fortified with pride. 
So when it says that it, yeah, it lifts, it exalts itself against, that's pride. That, that, is, that is the nature of that thing. So the pride factor, so I know I've got a stronghold, one of these fortified castles in an area when whether it is another person, whether it's scripture, whether it's a prophetic word comes to a particular area of our life that we have one of these things and pride says, don't tell and tell me that, I don't want to hear it. Um, Particularly where I have judged God for in my perception being inactive in an area of my life. You know, it may be around a particular breakthrough that you're going after. It may be around healing. It may be around financial breakthrough. It may be around some destiny thing that you're believing God for. And a word comes and speaks directly to that thing. And this thing rises up in us and says, no, don't tell me that. that that's not interested in hearing it. That, that is an element of pride. Powerlessness says it's just the way it is. It's not going to change. So we can know we have a stronghold in some area in our life where we have powerlessness and then where we have hopelessness. So powerlessness says it's just not going to change. It's just the way it is. My kids are never going to turn around and come back. It's just the way it is. My business is never going to succeed. That's just the way it is. My leg is never going to be healed. It's just the way it is. My, you know, insert whatever your situation here that you believe isn't going to change and it's not in a state that you want it in. That's the powerlessness. The hopelessness part, it's very similar, but quite often it's, it can change, but I don't believe that it will for me. It's like, I might be able to believe for your breakthrough, but I can't, be, I, I can't believe for mine. Or I might be able to believe for breakthrough for a whole lot of other things, just not that. That's the hopelessness part. As a result of the pride, the powerlessness, the hopelessness, you're not experiencing God in that area of your life. That's a stronghold. Often these get there from emotionally held beliefs that relate to traumatic experiences, painful experiences, often in childhood, but not always just in childhood. Strong emotional experiences where we haven't effectively processed that that event in his presence with kingdom truth. How many of you have ever had prayer ministry like ever in your life? There'd be a lot of us in the room. So how many of you in the course of that you went through a previous painful situation. You got ministry in that area. And as you met Jesus in that area, you came out with an entirely different perspective on that particular event than you had coming in. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Okay. So what you did in that prayer ministry session essentially was you processed that event healthily. And as a result, the stronghold that came actually not from the event, but from our beliefs around that event were dealt with and the castle wall falls down and all of a sudden we're starting to experience God in that area like we didn't before. Making sense? Now the thing with especially childhood stuff, especially stuff where, and it may not be a painful or traumatic event, it may be just what was normal in my family. It's just like, I never questioned it. It was just always this way. 
That word legismos is very telling because unless you process that event in the presence of God with Jesus talking to you about it, it's really logical that you would think the way that you do. That's why we get sucked into it. Anyone there? Yeah? Is this just me that's done this? Or... Okay, it ends up going, well, I can completely understand why you would see it that way based on the experiences that you had. But have you actually talked with Jesus about that? Have you got his perspective on that? Have you found out where he actually was during that event? So when it's unprocessed, it's completely logical that you would think that way, but it's just an inferior logic that helps keep you captive rather than a kingdom truth which leads you into an experience or an encounter with him. Now, this powerlessness thing, we spoke into this at the end of last year. And um, if you missed that, Sunday the 16th of December, I talked about will, the will, vows and judgments. It's still up on the podcast. If you haven't heard that, can I encourage you to get it? One of the things that I said there was too many of us lived with a checked out will, with this thing called learned helplessness where I don't make, I don't believe my choices have any power. Something I've talked about before. Your world, and I talk about this in a business environment as well, your world is perfectly organised to produce the set of results you're currently experiencing. I usually follow that with bugger. (laughs) Because that statement, that truth, and this could be, so in a business sense, I say, okay, you're experiencing this quality issue around your product. Well, your world is perfectly organized to produce that problem. So let's find out how it's organized. Let's dismantle the way that it's organized currently, remantle it. That's not a word. Rebuild it in the right way so that the problem stops happening. Now, likewise, your world, my world, is perfectly organized internally to produce the fruit I'm producing externally. That's a really unpopular thing to say. I don't love saying it because that means I actually have some accountability for my life. All the things that I complain about, all the things that I whinge about, actually, I'm implicated in all of them. Dang. So your internal world is perfectly organized to produce the fruit that you are producing now. A little word to those of you, like if you're in a process of destiny right now, you might go, well, this thing isn't manifesting, therefore it's my fault. Well, the thing about fruit is fruit takes time to grow. You don't kind of plant a tree and then, boop, oh, there it is. That's called a supermarket. And we expect life to be like a supermarket, but we don't realize that behind the supermarket, someone grew a tree that took time to grow. And then eventually when it was ripe, it got picked. I think I'm... We all understand that process. So you might say, well, my destiny is not manifesting. I'm believing some lie. Well, maybe you're in process. And the lie that you're believing is that your destiny is supposed to be like an instant piece of fruit. And that's why you're frustrated. You might be absolutely on track in your destiny, but you're feeling frustrated because you're believing a lie about how long it takes to grow an apple or an orange or a mango if it's a really awesome destiny. (laughs) Mango is a fruit of heaven. So, if you, so take that into account when I'm saying this because not everything is just boom, manifest, there it is. I've got exactly what I want. Be cool if it was, it doesn't work that way. But if I have fruit 
appearing in areas of my life that I don't like. That fruit has a root. And if we want to get rid of the fruit, we have to lay the axe to the root of the tree. We have to find out what has put it there. Did I say something stupid? No, okay, because I usually do. Not this time, yeah, thanks. I'm sure there's one coming. So if you don't like the fruit that you are bearing right now, it's time to look at the internal patterns that are producing that fruit because your world is perfectly organized in here to produce a set of results you're currently experiencing. I've said before, if the whole of your internal world became a city in which you lived, what would it look like? It would look like exactly what you're experiencing right now. That's what I'm talking about. So, what do we do when we don't like the fruit? What do we do when we see we have a stronghold? Now, this, that, that's, all the, the, that's all the crappy news. This is the good news, okay? It gets fun. This gets good. So, what do we do with these strongholds? Well, what does Paul say here? He says, we have divine power. Divine power. It actually, in the Greek, is in reverse. Dunatos, which is where we get our word, it, it means power, but it's explosive power, where we get our word dynamite from. Divine power, so donato theos, dynamite God. In other words, we have God dynamite. <laughs> this is good news, especially for those of us that have a thing for explosions. <laughs> I have a, I've always had a deep love of explosions. Thankfully, I still have all of my... Um, varying extremities, um, still intact. Um, and I'm also thankful now that I have children that Firecracker Night no longer exists because if that is generationally passed down, as I sense it might be, <laughs> then, um, <laughs> then a whole lot of things would be exploding um, that probably should not be. So we have God dynamite. That's number one. This is the good news. If we have fortified castles, if you imagine the old style castles, if you're a Monty Python fan with John Cleese up the top going, you English can make it. It's that kind of a castle, right? Sorry if you're not a Monty Python fan, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But think of one of those old English castles. That's what we're talking about. So he says, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. So at the end of verse four, he says, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. And then verse five, we demolish the arguments, the pretensions, and the high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ. That word demolish, so it's used in verse four, it's kind of like the, um, the act or the activity. In verse five, it's the result, but it's the same root word. And the root word means this. Let me read it out. It means to destroy completely by tearing down and dismantling. I want to pick up that word dismantling. With a view or to the result of making that thing extinct. Hmm, you want to make your strongholds extinct? Yeah. So, often when I looked at that, I said, okay, we have divine power. We have God dynamite to demolish these fortresses. You know, my natural boyish head instantly goes, cool, let's get some dynamite and let's blow this sucker up. That sounds like fun to me. Now, <laughs> the only thing is when you do that, there's often a bit of collateral damage. 
But what I realized is when you see that word dismantle, dismantle, dismantle means to, to unmantle, like to pull it apart piece by piece. So how do we use the God dynamite? If you've ever watched a big structure be demolished, they don't just blow the thing to kingdom come, as fun as that would be. So I'm still really stuck on that whole, how cool would that be? Um, there was an episode of the Muppets, Muppets where it was a Gonzo or one of, the, one of the puppets had this thing for explosions and every time someone said the word bang, something exploded. That's where it, is that in the Muppet movie? I think it might be. Anyway. Yes. Yes. He's a, dr- a drummer. Yeah. Yeah, it's animal. Anyway, I'm, I'm lost on the explosion thing. Here's the point. You know the whole stupid thing we're talking about? There it is. I told you it was coming. When you watch a building get demolished, now I remember, this was a long, this was probably 20 years ago, um, down where the Anzac Bridge is now, down that way, there were these massive wheat silos and they, they detonated them and you know, knocked the things down and now it's probably apartments you know, that are about this wide and little boxy things. Um, but I remember hearing that these things were going to get demolished, so we thought, let's go watch this thing because this is going to be way cool. What I realised, what I learned from watching that explosion was they didn't just strap C4 to the entire thing and then, like I said, just, you know. They actually put it in strategic structural areas where that strategic detonation causes the thing to implode and fall in on itself. So this dismantling rather than just exploding is actually a strategic placement of God dynamite into the root systems of our strongholds such that they implode upon themselves, become extinct without causing collateral damage. So what I'm talking about here is there is a strategic dismantling that takes place of these strongholds. In other words, they need to be systematically dismantled. Now, a stronghold is a fruit, and as I said, we need to dismantle it from the root. So let me give you an example. Let's say, hypothetically, because my dad was awesome, I had a relationship with a dysfunctional father, and as a result of that relationship, I had pain that I didn't process. I believed lies about authority figures, possibly particularly male authority figures. As I progress through life, I'm living out of that. I come across perhaps another male teacher who I then have issues with, which reinforces that whole thing. I then take that into relationships and I start experiencing all sorts of pain. Now, anytime then someone tries to speak into this area, you instinctively put up a wall because you're un processed experience leaves you to a deeply logical, emotionally rooted belief that such people are not safe. And you go, don't try and tell me they are. Don't talk to me about that. I've got this experience and this experience and this experience. Stronghold, logismos, exalted above truth. So your unprocessed experience leads you to an conclusion that either freedom is not possible, that that kind of relationship just doesn't happen for me. And this story could be repeated in any area. As I said, it could be healing from a sickness, going for a particular breakthrough, wanting to see your destiny manifested, wanting to see a relationship healed. But to dismantle it, we need to go back to those experiences and we need to look at the lies that we believe because of those experiences the vows we made, the judgments that we made, 
That's where we need to put the C4. That's where we need to put the God dynamite. Because if we just try and dismantle the structure without dismantle, sorry, dismantle the stronghold without strategically hitting the areas that have fortified that wall, we're going to try and throw a whole lot of dynamite, but the structure's still going to stand. So I believed a lie about who men and male authority figures are. And I made a vow, I will never trust one of them again. Unless I deal with that, unless I put some God dynamite, some God power into that spot, that structure ain't coming down. That's a root. If I've judged God as being inactive in an area of my life, and here's the thing, yeah, how many of you have got unanswered prayers? Anyone in your life? Any stuff that you're praying for that hasn't manifested yet? My hand's up too. Okay, th- this is a common experience. This is life. And it's not that God is inactive. There's a couple of things happening. God's timing gets involved. Our knowledge of how to actually cooperate with the kingdom and kingdom principles is growing slowly. But we are relatively ignorant about how the kingdom works. And it's part of our journey of learning that. There's a number of different factors. But what I know is if I judge God as inactive, what I'm saying is I have faith for the absence of the activity of God in that area of my life. And therefore, according to my faith, it is unto me. Because that's one of the ways the kingdom works. So to dismantle the stronghold, we need to go back to the experiences, look at the lies we adopted, undo the judgments we made, break the vows, and the vows are when we actually align with the enemy's kingdom. Where we say, I will protect myself in that area, because in brackets, God can't, or God hasn't, or God won't. Therefore, I will protect myself. And the enemy goes, woohoo, yes, I'll empower that. We need to forgive And then we need to align with the truth. And if we don't do that, we put dynamite in places that may make a loud noise, but they don't bring down the structure. Fan of loud noises most of the time, except after about nine at night. (laughs) So how how do we demolish a stronghold? So it says we demolish, destroy it using... God dynamite, the power of God attached to the strategic areas, the roots, the vows, the lies, the judgments, and then the structure falls. And then what do we do? And then it says, then we take every thought captive. Now, remember, this is a military motif he's talking about. So when he's taking every thought captive, the motif is essentially a soldier within a kingdom who has gone rogue who has now been taken captive like a prisoner of war. Like a soldier has gone rogue, they've been taken captive like a prisoner of war. In other words, this soldier is acting in a way that is not loyal to the kingdom it serves. So it's taken captive like a prisoner of war. So we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And then verse 6, and this is the punish thing. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. It's, it's an interesting translation of the words because the word punish is essentially the sense of court-martial. You understand a court-martial? So when a military officer goes rogue 
and they're busted, they're put before a military tribunal and that military tribunal is called a court-martial. So this thought has gone rogue. So it gets taken captive, put in front of a tribunal for it to get interrogated to find out what the truth really is. Are you getting the idea? So taking every thought captive, and it says we'll punish every act of disobedience. So the punish bit is the court-martialing. We're going to bring it before a tribunal of kingdom people who are going to examine that thought's testimony. And if it ain't true, firing squad for that thought. Disobedience, the word disobedience is less about moral or immoral. We think of disobedience as I didn't do what someone said. Didn't do what mum said, didn't do what dad said, didn't do what God said. The concept in that word, it means to pay attention to or listen to. So we have the thoughts that get court-martialed. And then we have areas that are not listening or responsive to the voice of God. Every place that is not paying attention to the voice of God, every act of disobedience, every area that is not listening to God gets brought before the heavenly court martial, gets interrogated, gets shown up for the lie that it is. There's a concept in um, 2 Corinthians 1 or 2, I think, where it talks about um, what Jesus did to the enemy was he disarmed the principalities and powers and then he, um, it'd help if I just look back and read it. By the time I said it, it'll be out. Can you quote it, Frosty? Colossians, sorry, thank you. I knew it started with a C. Yeah, he pre- so the concept, and I think Eugene Peterson in the message translates it, he took them captive and marched them naked through the streets. In other words, completely shamed and exposed the work of the enemy. It's that kind of a concept of taking these, these lies that we believe, putting them before a court-martial, showing them up for the lie and the pretense that they are and kind of marching them naked through the streets as punishment. Not you, the thought, in case you're wondering. Now, this kind of thing, um, Hebrews 3.15, whoever the writer of Hebrews said, um, quoting from the Old Testament, he said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And the concept in these, these acts of disobedience are areas that have heard the voice of God but have become hardened. Our hearts become hardened, which is, which is fertile ground for a stronghold, a fortress, when God speaks to a certain area of our life or that he wants to do that is in pain, that, is, that has unprocessed trauma, and we essentially harden our hearts in that area. So anytime we hear the voice of God in the area of our life and we don't take it on board, we fight against it, we reject it, we actually create hardness in our heart in that area and we create fertile ground for the building of a fortress in our territory. And therefore you'll bear non-kingdom fruit in that area. And then you'll probably complain about it and blame God for not doing anything. If you're anything like what I may have done once or twice. 
Was that the snicker of, oh. (laughs) On the other hand, the result of listening to his voice starts to get truth into those areas that have been fortified. It gets truth into the areas where we have judged, where we have believed lies, where we've made vows. And the God dynamite goes into the strategic areas. Down comes the structure. That area becomes kingdom territory. And when those strongholds become kingdom territory, the result is joy and peace because that's the kingdom. So what areas in your life are lacking joy and peace? What areas in in your life are not bearing the fruit that you really want to see? Because this year, in taking ground, they're the areas that we want to paint a target on. Now, the typical approach would be, let's do an altar call, let's smash them now, let's get some C4 out and blow those things up. And, you know, that would make a good altar call and we can make lots and lots of noise and kind of walk away going, yeah, good meeting. Man, we really smashed some stuff. And then tomorrow we feel the same as we did before we walked in. Because this is a process of dismantling. And as much as I love the altar calls with the massive breakthrough and all the you know, stuff going everywhere, and you know, I'm up for that any day, I've been around long enough to know that so much of our stronghold stuff needs to be systematically dismantled. It needs the divine power, the God dynamite, to be attached in specific places, specific lies, specific vows, specific judgments that we've made, and particularly judgments we've made about God being inactive. So we're on a journey of taking ground. And as I said earlier, it's become abundantly clear over the last 12 months where God is really zeroing in as he's zeroing in our internal world. He's wanting to take the areas that are actually part of kingdom territory but have these fortified rebellious castles in them that are resistant to the voice of God, that are resistant to love, that are resistant to ministry, that are resistant to truth. And he's wanting to attach God power to them so that they are demolished with a view to them being extinct. You know, when something's extinct, you have to go searching in a book somewhere to find if it even existed. And if you don't go searching, you wouldn't even know it was there. That's what he wants to do to our stuff. So where are you not experiencing his presence? Where are you not experiencing his breakthrough? Where are you not experiencing his peace? Let's paint a target on them. And then let's make a commitment that this is the year we're going to go after that stuff. I'm going to go after those places in my heart and you're going to be on the journey with me. You're going to go after those places in your heart and I'm going to be on that journey with you because we do this together as a family. That's the way this deal works. We don't do this alone. It's not something I just get in my closet off and get my stuff together and I'm done. No, this is a family deal. When you've been broken in a family, you can only be healed in a family. But we're going to make a commitment. Let's paint a target on those places. And over the course of this year, let's get some strategically placed God dynamite into those lives, into those root areas. 
and let's bring those structures down, baby. And when those structures come down, this is the promise of Isaiah 61, which we are obviously a tad attached to in this church, (laughs) given our name. The day of vengeance of our God. There's a number of ways to look at that, but if you look at beauty for ashes, garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, there's one that I'm missing. The spirit, yeah, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness or the spirit of despair. Um, How many times have I quoted this verse? It's just not there. Anyway. And then it says, you will renew the ancient ruins. You will restore the places long devastated. It's a bit of a reverse metaphor compared to what we've been talking about here because, you know, we're talking about making some ruins. He's talking about rebuilding them, different ruins. Yes, we want to ruin the strongholds, but the ruins are the places in your life that have been broken, smashed up, and he's going to renew and restore you. And he's going to take those areas that have been devastated for generations and turn them into something beautiful. In other words, he's going to take your captivity, turn it into a ministry where you're going to set people free in the very area you have been held captive. Because you've broken through it yourself, you have authority in that area corporately where your private victory becomes a public victory. So here's what I want us to do. We need to engage our will here. So... If you're up for that journey, I'm going to get you to simply respond. And we're not going to just you know, stick dynamite and do all that kind of stuff right now. What I want is for us to engage our will and for us to understand with a perspective of maturity that this is a journey and this is a process that we are going to walk together. But we are engaging our will right now to say, we're going after the strongholds. We're not just going to let them stay there because remember, powerlessness, hopelessness, are the biggest enemies here. To beat powerlessness, we engage our will. And we say, I'm making a decision. That castle's not standing on my watch. Anyone up for that this year? Stand up. Let's come down here. Let's pray and make some declarations together. Can I get the worship team up too? Because in a moment we will do some very corporate declaring. So if you're responding, what you're doing is you're engaging your will and you're saying, yeah, I'm up for this journey. We all have these fortified castles. Some of them we're really aware of, some of them we're not. But part of the journey of walking in community and walking in the light is as we walk in the light, this stuff gets exposed. And it doesn't get exposed to shame you. It gets exposed so you can paint a target on it and blow that thing to kingdom come. Yeah? Yeah? All right, so let's put out our hands, put up our hands. Let's just do something that is signifying with our body that we are engaging our will and our spirit. So Father, we want to be responsive to your word. When you have spoken to us and said that this is a season for taking ground, we soften our hearts to you in regard to that word. We accept that word and we purpose with our will right now to partner with that. God, we acknowledge that there are areas in our life where we are discouraged, we are despairing, we are finding it difficult to actually believe that it's going to be any different. And right now, all we do is we submit that area to you. We confess it, we put it out in front of you, and we invite you to minister to us in that area. 
We invite your light into those places. It's like we take the padlock off the door that has shut you out. And for some of you, it's important. Just actually see yourself do that or make some kind of physical gesture. We take the padlock off the door where we've got emotionally held belief, where we've got unprocessed pain, unprocessed dysfunction from our history that we have never sat with you and processed in truth. We take the padlock off the door and we give you permission to bring your light, your love, your presence, your truth into those areas. And God, we just ask for grace and wisdom to know how to cooperate with you. Father, together we paint a target on the the rebellious castles, as it were, in our territory. And we invite them to be targets for your breakthrough, for your healing. I want to speak hope over every life right now in the name of Jesus. Speak hope over every life. I just break condemnation and shame off every single one of us. And we claim the promise of Isaiah 61. Instead of their shame, they will receive a double portion. So we trade. (laughs) We trade. We trade our shame for a double portion of your grace, of your inheritance, of your promise. We trade our heaviness for praise. And in those areas that have been impregnated with powerlessness and hopelessness, we want to worship you over those now until those things become altars to you in the name of Jesus. I just keep getting um, just, there's a background. I feel like there's potentially a background voice going on in someone or some of more than one person's mind where it's like you're coming forward and once again it's like you're stepping up to go God I really want this breakthrough but it's like there's this very quiet voice going but we've done this before (laughs) you've done this before and let's try but it's like I don't know if it's really gonna it's kind of like you're kind of being obedient but there's a little bit of a um, wrestle going on there in that does that make sense to anyone and I just feel like God wants to break that lie because that's actually a lie that if you agree with can potentially hold you back from embracing that. So can I break that for whoever might be experiencing that? Okay. In Jesus' name, I just break the lie that I've done this before. I'm really not sure if it's going to work. I'll give it a go. I don't know. I break the double-mindedness that is happening right now for some people. And I just want to declare over that lie that your assignment is over and that you will now bow the knee to Jesus. Yeah, that that lie will no longer take hold and have power in your mind, in your heart, in your will, in your emotions. In Jesus' name. And if you're feeling that, just surrender that. Just surrender the the God, I'm finding this hard. can actually come to Jesus and say help my unbelief 
because there's no condemnation with him.